Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast with John and Jonathan, a very special podcast in several different ways because we have our third business partner, Sharon Baum, as our special guest star today. I have been honored to know Sharon Baum for 23 years and just an incredible role model for me over the years. And to be sitting here as her business partner talking to her on our podcast is a great honor for me. Yes, absolutely. And I met her really not until after I was at the Corcoran Group for a couple of years. So to now be sitting where we're sitting, it's really uh, inspiring and and great to have somebody as such as yourself to call on. We're thrilled to be talking to you. Great to see you. And this was a long time coming. We've been wanting to do the podcast with you for a long time. But all right, so you are not only known as the queen of Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue, but also a very, very important part of your journey is being one of the being the first graduating class, female graduating class of Harvard, right? Correct. Harvard Business School. What was that like? (laughs) Well, it was quite different because the professor is sort of like why are you here taking up the space of a man Mm. who'll continue working and you'll just probably get married? And so I had that to face to show that I was an important part of the class and that I could contribute and hold my own with any of the thousand men. That was the mix. (laughs) It was a thousand men in that class and seven females. Harvard made one of the bathrooms so seven women could use it, but they left the urinals just in case it didn't work out. And what, so not to to date you, but what year was this? I graduated in 1965. 65, wow. In retrospect, not that long ago, but in reality and society, a a world away, yeah. When you graduated Harvard, you did not immediately go into real estate, correct? No, no. Right. You had a a banking career, correct? Yes. And you want to tell the audience a little bit about what you ended up doing after Harvard? Well, I went first to Eastern Airlines and developed the youth fair for them. And then I went to Pan Am. And then from Pan Am, I went to Chemical Bank, now Chase. What did you take away from business school that... Uh, you would say gave you, let's say, an edge in selling residential real estate, because that's what we're talking about today. I think the edge was the marketing. And second was the case method at Harvard, which is you lay out all the facts, and then you have to make a recommendation as to what should happen. I knew I wanted to have a brand that was my own, and... I came up with the idea of sold. So when I went for my license plate, I asked (laughs) the lady, can I have sold? She said, no, I'm sorry, it's taken. But how about sold one? She gave you the name. I said, that's better. (laughs) Thank you very much. So I became sold one, Sharon Baum. And sold one. Yeah, that and the iconic uh, Rolls Royce that you had and yes, such at the time, exactly. uh, which I know has been. Uh, well, you got rid of that a while ago. Well, but... when the market turned, I turned because <laughs> I didn't think it Sorry. was too good to be driving around in a Rolls Royce when the market was in the tank. I had clients who 
they no longer rode in the Rolls Royce. They rode in, you know, whatever I had, a Mercedes. Yeah. Um, and I remember a client saying, so is this all you have left of the Rolls Royce? Because I had some rubber mats in the back <laughs> at RR. Right. And Abdul, my driver, and a member of my family for 23 years said, no, we have the umbrella also. <laughs> <laughs> you you had your career in uh, with uh, Pan Am and Eastern and then uh, Chemical Bank, but what really made you launch into real estate? What well, was... I met Barbara Corcoran. So Barbara said, you know, come on board, do real estate. And I was like, I don't know anything about real estate. And she was like, yes, you do. You know enough. Come on. Wow. So... I joined Barbara Corcoran, and um, how many agents were in the firm at the time? Oh, not that many. No. Just you know, 20, 20, 20, 20 25, yeah. something like that. Barbara is so creative, and she came up with the one-day sale where she took these properties, put them all at the same price, and they were on sale for that day only. And people flew in from Europe. There were lines out the door. And that's what launched your career. And then you've lived on the Upper East Side for many, many, many years. And 50 so, years. 50 years. And so <laughs> would you say that helped you to define the market that you sold in? Because as I labeled you kind of the queen of Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue, you were, you've always been known as selling high-end residential real estate, Central Park West. Park Avenue, Fifth, and Fifth Avenue, and Fifth yes. Avenue. Yes, yes, that's correct. These co-ops can be very fickle. They can oh. be very, very challenging. It just, the boards, friends in Greenwich, will say, "Well, you're so lucky because you don't have all these reports that have to be done. You know, have the septic system tested." And I go, "I will <laughs> trade you any septic tank." for one board yeah, application. Absolutely. I yeah. remember once that you literally had, had to have a car take those applications. <laughs> I mean it. I, oh, yeah. I saw I had, them. They were like on those those uh, pulleys. Yeah, I had 42 boxes. And we took them and we just dumped them all in front of the managing agent's desk. Couldn't even see over I them. I can't believe that. And they hired had to hire somebody to go through the board package. Yeah. And please tell me you got it approved. Well, not easily. <laughs> wow. They had the man for the interview and then from England, and then they wanted the wife to come. So then the wife had to fly over for an interview. And then we didn't hear and we didn't hear. And then they said they wanted to talk to them again. They had to do a second interview? Yes. Oh, yeah. You just never know. Yeah, when... and we're we're at the whims of the boards. Yes, you know? and I, I had another one which just blew me away where normally when someone's turned down by the board, you never really know why. You maybe think you do, but you don't. I had a turn down where it was all teed up. I mean, the, I had the buyer, and the seller was had been head of the board, and then I got word that he was turned down. I said, how can that be? One of the board members didn't like that he didn't have on socks <laughs> because he was on his way to golfing, and he had on his loafers, you know, without socks. Well, I mean, honestly, though, how dare he? 
God almighty. I was for a moment, I was like, but we're on Zoom. I'm not, so, <laughs> like, and then wow. he came back begging and his wife, I thought was going to divorce him because she really wanted this apartment. Right. There was no amount of begging. He had letters written by the mayor and everybody, and they were like, no way, you're not getting in because you didn't wear socks. So the moral of the story is, please, gentlemen, wear your socks to your board interview. <laughs> you're one of, I don't know how many people to have won the Henry Forrester Award. Mm -hmm. What has that meant to you? <laughs> well, I was happy to get it because Barbara Corcoran used to say when she was active in the firm, I will never, ever live long enough to get the Henry Forrester Award. Mm -hmm. And she was right. right. She <laughs> because everybody was too jealous of her. So when I got it, that's all I could think about was, okay, Barbara, well, I got it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but... You know, it's nice to get it because it's the highest award in residential real estate that you can get. But I looked at the people who had gotten it before me, and it was a very impressive, impressive list of list. people. Yeah, you were at Chemical Bank, part moved in with with Barbara in the in the business, and you've been there the entirety of your career, yeah. which Always is also it. impressive because a lot of these agents bounce around and move around a lot and such. And it's, you know, listen, there's something to be said. I've been at Corcoran 16 years, John 23. Uh, 23. I find comfort in knowing where I've been and where I'm at exactly. and seeing how the company grows and exactly. such. But for you being in it 35 years, especially seeing Corcoran change through over the years since with Barbara's, Barbara's exit in the early 2000s and such, because I came in after she was already gone. gone. I mean, she was, uh, it was 2000 and what, 2006, 2006 then. Yeah. Seeing Corcoran move down the path had to have been uh, a very interesting, maybe good in some ways, bad in others. But I am I do feel like I missed the, uh, the I always heard about the parties. So I, I want to get and more the ribbons. of a, And the ribbons. I mean, if we had, yeah. you know, we got ribbons for big sales. And, there and you got gold. flowers on your desk, you yeah, know, for there were, uh, deal of the month or, or yeah. your top 10 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah a lot of competitive which is good in a sales organization, yeah. but we're too big for that now. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was great yeah. while we had it. What advice would you get it, give to, let's just say your top thing, advice, piece of advice that you would give uh, a buyer in? Well, as a buyer, you know, you you need to have a really top real estate agent. I don't. I mean, of course, I'm in the business, but I think if you have a really good agent to guide you through the waters, you're going to come out ahead. Particularly in the buildings that we sell in, you know, these challenging, challenging boards, it's one thing to be able to have the, um, let's say the financials, but as you just articulated, a lot of these boards, it's far more than just your uh, financial statement. Much. Mm -hmm. Much more. And so a really skilled agent can help facilitate that process so that there's no problems because the last thing that anybody wants is a board rejection. Well, and even in the, you go to co-ops <clears throat> outside the park and Fifth Avenue corridor in the Upper East Side, yep. and there's all sorts of, you know, I'll always describe our profession as somewhat of an insurance agent where 
you're, we're there to guard you against the pitfalls, the exactly. many different pitfalls that can happen, which you only learn. And we tell our guys on our on our team, the, the younger guys have only been in this a bit. Like, you only learn these things with experience. Definitely. Exactly. So have Definitely. mentors and have, you know, just absorb as much as you can by being in the office and hearing conversations, et cetera. Because even in those co-ops that are on First Avenue and, you know, 80th Street or 96th Street or, or downtown or whatever... There's all these little things that can trip you up. And what's the number one thing that we have, limited thing that we have is time. And whether that's on the agent side or the buyer side, uh, the buyers want efficiency. And the number one way to avoid those pitfalls and having to restart where they thought they were going for one sort of product, now they got to switch to another because they didn't weren't asked the right questions, et cetera, they lost a bunch of time. But what about sellers? What would you? What advice would you give to sellers? Just to get rid of half the stuff in your apartment <laughs> before you put it on the market. <laughs> Leave half, get half out, because most apartments have, including mine, too much have stuff. too much stuff. For a new agent walking into our business, because the core of our business has not changed in my perspective. I mean, the, all the accoutrement that goes around it with the marketing, et cetera, has changed, but the, the core of the business is similar. What would be your word of advice to those people just coming into this market or coming into this business? Well, I think the thing that can make the biggest difference is if you can volunteer to work for a seasoned agent. It will really jumpstart your career because there's no way that you just coming in cold can do what if you attach to a senior broker. Yeah, that's how that's John and I both really, got into the business, mm -hmm, working yeah, for- We were know. assistants. Looking back at my own tenure, it was invaluable, the experience that I got working for the first broker that I worked for, listening to her on the phone, how she conducted her business. And I would literally be watching and through osmosis then kind of duplicated on the phone, but then learning learning how to say certain things and how to conduct myself. And, you know, you and I and Jonathan, have we've had the, the uh, great fortune to be able to pitch together and to then to work off of each other. That's really, really, really unbelievable experience yes. to have working with somebody that's uh, more mature in the business. You have had in your career several ce celebrity clients. Yes. So how has that how would you say that that differs working then with regular regular people from, you know, a walk of life? Regular, regular New Yorkers. Regular. regular regular people. Well, I think all my clients are celebrity clients. Good oh, answer. Very good. That's why she's I the did queen. Not, I did not coach that. That's I think I think I'm going to write that down. They're all celebrities. Mm. But, you know, working with somebody like Taylor Swift is pretty exciting. I remember we taking Taylor Swift around. You can imagine, I mean, agents would kill to show anything sure. to Taylor Swift. And I remember we walked into this apartment and she said to her mother, she's very, very close with her mother, I want this apartment. And her mother said, well, I think you should call your father. And so... She tried and voicemail or something. So she said, Sharon, I've worked since I was nine years old. I've worked very hard, and I want this apartment, and I want to buy everything in the apartment. 
And that's what we did. All of our people that we deal with, all of our clientele are very successful in their own right, whether they're buying a half a million dollar apartment or a $50 million apartment, it, they are the stars, oh, you know, definitely. which is another big thing that you've always, uh, always pushed and has always been a big um, MO of yours is they're the stars. It's about them. It's not about me as the agent. Oh. I think a lot of agents, I know a lot of agents get that, that role that, reversal. Exactly. They think they're, I remember showing Michael Bloomberg an apartment. And when we got there, I the key was supposed to be at the door. There was really nobody there. So we start in, and this broker, who shall remain nameless, came rushing, rushing. You can't come in. You can't come in. I have a very important client here. I had Michael Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. He put his foot in the door so she couldn't close the door. And... <laughs> We said the apartment's big enough. We'll look at the front part. You look at the back part, and then we'll switch. So I just remember she had an important client that, mm. so we couldn't come in. Yeah. So different brokers, you know, they operate under up. different rules. Yeah. Was yeah. this before or after you dated him? <laughs> <laughs> I, you're not going to let that. You, I couldn't you, not let I that knew go. You couldn't let it go. I past. cannot throw that throw, throw that away. Of all of your transactions, which was your most rewarding? Oh, so hard to say. I I think working with Mary Duke Biddle Trent Siemens was the most rewarding. And I went down. I pitched it in person. I said, I want to come down. I want to meet you. So I put on my best Southern clothes and my best Southern accent. And I went down and I met her and I got it. And I worked with her then through the sale and we got all the archival photos. We had a fabulous brochure printed. And it was, I mean, she's deceased now, but it was very rewarding. And it was the first time that a real estate story had appeared on the front page of the New York Times. Mm. Mm. And it was of the Mr. Softy truck, which... <laughs> that plants itself right outside. <laughs> God almighty, are you kidding me? Yes. Are you kidding me? And so <laughs> he got on the front page of the New York Times the Mr. Softy truck and, <laughs> and the apartment. So that was one of the That's, most rewarding. Mr. Softy business was never quite the same. No. Exactly. It he took off from there. I think he, that put, put them on the map. There. He yeah, he's, he's still, still there. there. <laughs> he's still there. He's cleaned up. And that was a massive transaction, too. I mean, oh, yes. That sale price at the time, 40, what, what was that? 40. 40. 40. I mean, but at that time, 40 million was well, also was, an unheard you of. Price, you yeah. broke the, uh, the we record. We broke the record, yeah. yes. Tell us one of your seriously most challenging deals that you did? You know, I thought about that before I came and I couldn't think of one. <laughs> that was, there were so many that were challenging. We had in the office a photograph of a cemetery with headstones. And every time I'd have a really, really difficult, <laughs> I, I put the the name of the apartment, the address, 
with a pin on the headstone. Oh, I love that. Oh, we need to do that. We are going to so do that. And I had a whole cemetery <laughs> filled with little... Right. It makes you feel better when you put can, it in. Can put it to rest. Exactly. Yeah. How about entertaining... I, we got to get a story out of you. I had a great time working with Nathan Lane. We're looking at this apartment. This young broker showing the apartment. She has no idea who Nathan Lane is. Never heard of him, anything. And she's going down the hall. And she's like, I don't know if you're interested in closets. <laughs> and he was like, well, I used to be more so than I am today. <laughs> and so... It went right over her, right over her head. Right. One of the other stories, the seller was very, very difficult and very rude. And my guy was really mannerly and everything. When the words came across, the funds have cleared. You know, that's what you wait for. Mm -hmm. The funds Funds have have cleared. cleared. My guy said... To the seller. At the closing table, yeah. I guess you never went to the basement, right? And the guy was like, yes, I went to the basement. He said, well, the sub-basement. He's like, the sub-basement? Yes, where the gold bricks were stored. (laughs) And the guy, the seller, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. He starts bumping his attorney saying, everything that was there... Before we close, it's mine, right? It's mine. It's mine. And my guy was like, just kidding. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and it was so priceless. But then what was even funnier is when they started the work on the townhouse, there was sort of a space that had a door, it looked like underneath a staircase. And they opened that door and there was a priceless hand-tooled leather saddle. And nobody knows <laughs> how it got there. They made it like the centerpiece of their living room. I mean, once I guess the best one was the cat is packed. I had this seller whom I represented who had this possessed cat. And every time I would open the door to show the apartment, the cat would jump out at me. We sold the apartment. It's unusual, but the seller came for the walkthrough, and the cat was missing. And there were 52 barrels of packed items. And she said, we have to open every barrel until we find the cat. And it took like a whole day. She's crying, crying, crying. I said, well, I don't know. The cat's gone. I guess it got loose or something. The next morning... The people in the apartment above this one, when they're sleeping, the cat came and landed on their bed. It had crawled up the pipe and gotten into the next apartment and then came zooming onto these people's bed. I mean, they could have had a heart attack. The the things that we get to see and experience are certainly, uh, keeps it interesting. Like one I liked a lot was I had a couple... I, when I showed the apartment, they were always in bed, but sitting up like cardboard cutouts. <laughs> I love yes. that. And they would just say, come on in. I'd say, fine, just act like they're not here. Just... And 
Then I had another one who was always in bed, but they hid under the covers. <laughs> so I would say, just, just, just where lumps. Did you, where did you find these clients? I, I don't know. And uh, really, did one refer the other one? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad that we finally were able to make this work. And with these magnificent microphones. We exactly. look so professional. Oh, yes, yes. You look sound so good. Sounds so professional. That's correct. But no, seriously, before we go, for heartfelt thanks for not only being the most incredible business partner and mentor, <clears throat> but also I consider you family. Definitely. You and your husband and your family are our family. And... I am just so happy that we've had this time together and uh, we continue to learn from you. You are just very, very special to us. So thank yeah, you. We love you. Very mutual. And the best is yet to come. And the best yes, is yet to come. exactly. More stories, hopefully. Right? More stories. More stories. Thanks for watching. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for watching or listening to the Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, gestaskaconlinteam.com, or you can find us on all social media with the handle at gestaskaconlinteam. If this show was helpful, entertaining, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.